Profanity Nation. Yeah, it's the new era of man for some old school fans with a new school brand. We got money on the mic with the plan in hand. And step back to his left, they go hand in hand. And to the right, we got Simster, he putting it down. It's the Profanity Nation, we running the town. Yeah, it's the Profanity Nation. Profanity Nation. Hey, welcome to the Profanity Nation podcast, where we are the voice of the professional fan. We are here every Sunday night at 8.30 p.m., and thank you for joining us. As always, I'm joined here by my partner, Money Mike. How you doing, Money Mike? Yo, we're going to talk tonight. We're going to talk. I'm excited. We got Marco to confirm that... uh... You know, and, and, you know, Dave was they coming back. And then we <laughs> we'll see. Let, let's let, Mar- and then, let's let Marco talk and, for and himself. Then we, got, okay? then, we, then we got Trevor Lane, which uh, which is what I'm gonna love because you know I want to talk to him about a couple of his tweets and stuff that he got going on and this this you know LeBron and. Let's get into that in a second. But what we're going to do here, we're going to introduce our other co-host, as always. Step yes, sir, Pat. man. How you feeling, Mr. Step feeling Pat? Really, feeling really good, man. You know, dude, it's like, you know, we actually won the game. We, we actually won the game. He's still not so, happy. No, no, I'm not I, happy. I, so, at, at the same time, I understand that. But, you know, we got to take the win. I mean, it's, it feels weird to say that as a Laker fan that we just – like no, just clawing on to one just, just to grasp, just to grab one. Just, just a silver lining. But it wasn't just a game, and we're going to get into that in a second. But it wasn't just a game. But what we do have is we have amazing guests with us tonight. We yeah. Have, oh yeah, it's jam packed tonight. Oh man, we have Trevor Lane from Lakers Nation. He's with us. He's going to join us in just a second. And we of course start our show with Marco Nunez. You know what I would like to do? I'd like to, if we could, can we bring both of them on at the same time? Can we bring Trevor and Marco on? I'd love to have them all on. Let's get them on here. Here we go. Man, dude, here we go. There's it, Marco. There we Marco go. right there. Here we go. Let's so, add Trevor in there. Trev. All right. Okay. Hey, Trevor. How you doing? Hey. All right. Hey. Trevor, Marco, how are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Doing great. Excellent. Excellent. Hey, Trevor, you know, you know, Marco is a, a resident of the show. Uh, he always talks about the injuries and who's going to come back or who's not going to come back. Hint, hint. Um, did you did you have the first question for him? Did you have any questions about any injuries around the league at all? Oh, maybe a big one with this guy named, named Anthony Davis. I, I think that oh, would probably no. be, a, be a good place to start, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. I think well, that's 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 the okay. elephant in the room. You know right? That's the elephant in the room, right? We hey, gotta know hey. if he's coming back or not. You already know, Marco. I was gonna ask that, so go ahead, Marco. Let him know. Is he coming it, back? It's or been not? it's been about four weeks, so they're re- going to reevaluate him. Another four weeks. They, right. they said, they, right. Oh, they added another four? No, they, well, they added like like last week. They said we'll, we're going to reevaluate him after four. That's after what we're talking about. He's like pretty much out for the season. All right. Well, let's see. Let's see, Marco. <laughs> what, what what are we, what are we thinking? What are we feeling here? What's going on? Yeah. So his general timeline was anywhere between four to eight weeks as far as for him to return. I think he's hit the four week mark already. They're going to reevaluate him and, and see what, what you know how he feels. If he's clear to not necessarily to return to play, but be, first thing he needs to be clear to practice and scrimmage and get on the court and stuff like that and kind of participate. And, and then at that point, they're going to reevaluate him and see how his body reacts, how the ankle reacts, whether it flares up, whether it swells, whether it increased soreness or anything of that sort. And then after that, then he's going to get into what's called game shape or conditioning and stuff like that. So that may be like another week. So in, realistically speaking, we're looking at probably the six to eight week mark for him to kind of return. So we're looking at about two months from the date of injury. Um, if he's at about four weeks right now, we're looking at probably about another two weeks or so, which puts us right into mid-March. And this is something that we've discussed before in, in the past. 
also, you know, uh, depending on where the Lakers stand, whether or, or any team stands, is a huge deciding factor whether they're going to push a player to kind of return, hold them off, or call them quits for the rest of the season. That's kind of like one of the natural types of things. So, um, I, obviously, you know, the win with uh, a couple of days ago or yesterday with the Warriors was, was a huge plus. Um, Might may, may be a little motivational for him to want to come back and for the players to come back. But we'll see how the rest of the, the week kind of pans out. Well, so a lot's going to depend on how the Lakers play from here on out, right, Trevor? I mean, if, if he's if it's not if the season's lost and there's no reason to bring him back, what what do we think? What what do we feel, uh, or what do you feel is that kind of deadline point? Where how far are we from kind of calling it quits? Where AD is just just shut it down for the season? Do you think? Is it until uh, it's mathematically just impossible? I mean, if they were to drop out of the play-in tournament, which would take – it would take a couple of things. It would take both the Lakers playing extremely poorly, which we've seen. We've seen poor play for, for stretches, but we also saw, you know, a, a game they just won. Um, it would take them playing very poorly, but it would also take the Portland Trailblazers, who right now are sitting in the 11th spot. It would take them really turning things around. Uh, the Pelicans uh, recently lost to the Denver Nuggets, so that, that helps you out too. Right now they're sitting in the nine seed, so the only way I see them saying, you know what, we have no shot here, we don't even have a puncher's chance with a healthy LeBron and AD would be if they were to completely fall out of the play-in tournament. But I don't, I wouldn't predict that to be the case because the Blazers right now, from an organizational perspective, are not trying necessarily to win games, not trying to get as high as they can in the standings as possible at this point. So it's not so much that the Lakers are playing great and I'm confident, hey, they're going to surge to finish the season, but I don't see the teams behind them catching up at least not far enough to knock them down in the 11th seed and then knock them out of the playing tournament where then maybe you say, okay, well, let's just forget about Anthony Davis coming back. I don't think that's a path we're going to head down. Okay. Well, you know, I'm going to reserve my opinion because everybody knows the way it is. Let me, let me ask about uh, Kendrick Nunn, Marco. <laughs> what's your, wait, no, you, you can't drop that. Like, you got you to talk to me, man. What, what's your, what's your talk, opinion? We're going to talk to Trevor more about it. Oh, okay. Hey, so Kendrick, Kendrick Nunn has is, is been out since February 8th. Forever. You know, uh, they're talking about he's going to make it in March. You know, he's been out for Bro, a while. Do we, do we have any idea on if maybe he'll actually play? <laughs> You know, in March or April at all? That, that I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's going to depend on the positions and the sports management staff, see how he does and he's, how he's able to return. Um, yeah. I think he would probably be a great addition um, as long as the, as the Lakers are kind of in a playoff hunt, so to speak, or in the play-in, having him back, having Anthony Davis back to kind of try to make a little playoff run. If they get into that playoff uh, tournament type of thing, would probably be awesome to have. Okay. Right. Well, I guess it was a good thing Draymond Green had a back. You know, he was out. That's <laughs> That's what allowed, you know, they well, we'll, we'll, we'll get they to that cool, with Trevor so, for sure. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll so, break down that game. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I guess the fact that Draymond is out, he's day to day, you know, I think it was a, a spasms for him. So those, you know, those usually are type of injuries that are like day to day, right? When you're. Correct. So, so as long as it's just a muscle spasm and it's not a muscle strain, strain is basically when you tear some fibers inside the muscle, then that takes a little bit longer to heal. You're looking anywhere between two to four, possibly six weeks, depending on, on the degree of the tear of the muscle itself. But if it's just a spasm, meaning the spasm is just where the muscle kind of reacts negatively and it kind of tightens up and it just kind of, you almost got, it's almost like a, a like a long-term cramp that just does not go away. And then you slowly have to kind of, kind of release that. And, and, and that, that becomes just a day-to-day issue type of thing. 
Some people kind of get some relief within 24 hours. Some may take like up to maybe three to five days to kind of get, but usually that's about the average time. Okay. Well, I'm happy he was cramped up that game. So <laughs> it, worked, it worked in our favor. We'll yeah, see if that was did. the break. Marco, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, can you let everybody know the best way to yes, keep yes. in touch with what you've got going on, my friend? Sure. If you guys have any sports medicine questions, feel free to DM me on my Instagram at MarcoANews17 or subscribe to my YouTube channel at Evolve Athletic Performance. All right. All right, man. Good luck thank you out. so see much, you Marco. Week. We Always. really appreciate Thanks, it. Marco. All Thank right. you, sir. All right. Uh, let's get to our guest at hand here. We've got the great Trevor Lane of LakersNation.com, of Man. course, with us. And um, we've got a lot to discuss, Trevor. Uh, thank you for joining us again on this show. And we really appreciate it. So yeah. thank you again. Um, the Lakers this season have been, uh, let's just say, underwhelming. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Lakers fans are disappointed. Uh, Lakers fans, you know, quite frankly, are probably scared at this point. They're scared for our future because we really don't know what to expect, uh, regardless of this season or next season. Um, just- at this point, though, uh, do you think that the Laker fans are more like apathetic at this point? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, are we, are we, have we pretty much said that it is what it is? And that's normally something that the Lakers fans do not oh, say that, in March. That burns. Usually, and that's where we're at. And I think that's the crux of the issue. Are we at this point where we're like, if they make it, they make it. If they don't, they don't. Because we I have now so. looked into the situation. I don't think so. I think that's maybe the uh, Lakers fans and us trying to, to make ourselves feel better. Let's hear from Trevor. Right. Trevor, what are you doing to make yourself feel better? Uh. <laughs> that's what we'd like to know. Um, honestly, I mean, when we do our, our LakersNation.com postgame shows, that that helps, honestly, just talking everything. It's almost become like group therapy sessions at this point because <laughs> everybody is kind of feeling the same thing. We've got the shared experience, and it's not positive experience for the most part for the Lakers this season. I've had a lot of people telling me, a lot of Lakers fans telling me that this season is – I don't want to say hate because that's a strong word, right? But this is their most disliked Lakers team yeah. ever, right? I mean, it, it, is, it is now surpassed – the now this is going to be fun 2012 2013 team and i understand why i understand why they've been so frustrated this year um frustrating this year but this is for the lakers it's been it's been a challenge all season long for them to find any kind of consistency but what's really getting people upset it's not so much the wins and losses like that will upset people we saw it last year even when they were hurt people were getting frustrated that they weren't winning games and the injuries kept mounting and all that sort of stuff there was frustration last year with that but what I'm seeing most of the frustration from this year, it's not so much just did they win or did they lose? That frustration is there. It's did they try? Did they right. put forth the effort, effort. that You're we would expect right. them to? And so that's that has been another subplot that I think has dragged Lakers fans' morale, particularly lower, is because on a night-to-night basis, you don't know if you're going to get the kind of effort that you would expect out of the team. So that's been something that I think has been particularly disappointing about the season. Yeah, you know, um, I, I think I spoke maybe last show, or at least two shows ago, Trevor, that I, my biggest frustration with this this uh, team this year is I feel like the culture of the Lakers are changing. You know what I mean? Like it, we we had a certain standard on how we would act in the public, how we would perform on the court, and I just think it's really kind of watered down. And and we're you know we we were kind of like um you know a, a franchise that everybody admired even. During the bad times, we acted and moved a certain way. And I feel like we've kind of been watered down with 
the rumors and the drama and uh, uh, I'm gonna try. Like I think Westbrook said, I'm gonna try my best, and if it doesn't work, I'm good because I have my three kids at home. Like you know, like I I I really am concerned about the culture as, as of, of the Lakers actually changing. What do you think about that? Well, and that's something that I mean, it, it you could say has been changing since the passing of Dr. Jerry Boss. I mean, this has been you know a, a decade in in the making essentially in terms of the the cultural shift around the Lakers. But it's not even just a Lakers thing; it's around the NBA. We're seeing a shift in the way superstar players are treated. We're seeing a shift in the way things are being perceived. Player movement is becoming a much more common thing, uh, season to season. You're not seeing as many guys that are staying with a team throughout the entirety of their career. And so that's created more power in the hands of superstar players. And so therefore teams have got to be a little bit more forgiving when it comes to, to players and putting up with certain behaviors and things of that nature and accommodating to these players. And that's why you see Frank Vogel acting as a sort of a shield. You never hear him call out players in press conferences, which 10, 15 years ago, that was a pretty regular thing that coaches would do. It's becoming less and less frequent in the modern NBA so it's not even just a Lakers thing, but I do understand what you're saying in terms of the Lakers used to be that franchise that got everything right, nailed all these draft picks, superstars wanted to come to L.A., they, all these trades would fall into their laps, just things seemed to work out for the Lakers, and that hasn't quite been the case for a while now, and that leads us, in, leads us into this uncertain future. Obviously, they won a championship in 2020, but was that an organizational thing, or was that, hey, LeBron happened to like Los Angeles, and then off we go? And there's reason to be concerned there. Um, I think they, there's still hope for the future that, hey, can they figure this thing out? Can they start making some smart moves? Can they they put things together again? Potentially. But I, I think the concern is also justified based on what we've seen from the front office and ownership up to this point. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm sorry, Trevor. I want to ask you all these things because I really want to know your opinions about it. Like, yeah. I feel like any player, like in the last, let's say, five years or so, any player that has played well, that was a first or second year player, they kind of were just auditioning to get traded to get, you know, uh, what I call name brand players. Like, I, mm -hmm. and I think no team really should be constructed based on like name brand players. You should, uh, you know, put a team together based on needs, talent, and talent versus uh, versus uh, let's go get a Westbrook or let's go to get a Kawhi or let's go get you know like. You know, there are other players out there that are really, really good that that could help could have fits the you know, you could get that shooter, you could get that defense player. It don't have to be a name brand player. And I feel like every time we oh my god, see like right now, THT, if he plays really, really well, it's all about let's trade him like versus let's keep him. You know, that's like one of my most frustrating things is we're not in interested in development talent. We just well, try to get. Uh, you know what? One thing mm -hmm. though, uh, money like uh, what I kind of like see in when going to what you're saying is that when the Lakers were good, they were able to attract players and just have them sign as free agents. At this point, the Lakers are trading assets to get these guys. So before it used to be like we opened up the you know we have our cap space we're going to absorb any anybody that wants to come to Lakers especially somebody that's name brand or like you said name brand and and then those pieces that we didn't draft before are now also integrated into the team now we're trading all those young pieces all those pieces that we have before that you would know that would make a great team however we don't have the cap space to do any of that now. Trevor, can I bring in here? Um, yeah. 
the what what Pat's talking about here and, and trading away all the talent to get that one, that's more of a salary cap and trading rules in order to make that happen. Uh, is that not true? I mean, we had to trade Kuzma and all those players in order to match the salary for Westbrook. It wasn't necessarily by choice. That's just the rules and how it has to go. Now, whether or not that was the right choice, we all know. But um, uh, NBA rules are NBA rules. So uh, I, I kind of feel like we're still getting the free agents um, what I don't like is, and the only thing I can call it is the Rob Palinka plan of only signing deals for a year, a year and a half, two years. It, there's no future. There's no future. I don't yeah. get that. What is that? Yeah. What is the thought process behind that, Trevor? Or do you know? Yeah, I mean, that that thought process, what it appears to be at least, is that the Lakers, they're going to highly value their stars. They made it very clear that start, look, LA, we take care of our stars. Kobe Bryant tore your Achilles. Forty-eight million dollars. Here you go. Right. That's the that's been their mo around the NBA. That is the image that they want to cultivate. Hey, we take care of our stars, and that's how you you maintain that status as the team that's going to land those players because they know you're going to take care of them. LeBron and Anthony Davis. Rob Palenka. What does he do before he makes moves? When he's talking to free agents, he's texting LeBron and AD. Hey, what do you think about these guys? And that's not unique to the Lakers, but they've been given power as decision makers within the organization as as well so again they're very friendly to superstars what they're not so friendly to is the role players right these guys this is just this revolving cast and what we're seeing out of the lakers is this notion that the superstars matter the players around them not so much if one guy starts to become a little too expensive and we consider him a role player we're going to find somebody cheaper that can do the same thing role players can be replaced superstars are going to get their way and I think that what we're seeing, big picture, is a little bit of an undervaluing of chemistry and how much that matters. And perhaps we got a little bit spoiled with how quickly the title team came together. The 2019-2020 team came together chemistry-wise. It was instant. They hit the floor. Boom. Now, they dealt with the issue in China. That obviously brought them together. But they hit the ground running, and they had instant chemistry, even though it was a team full of mostly new faces. That's not the norm, though. And so we've gone into the last two seasons expecting the same thing. And then we've been surprised when the chemistry hasn't quite been where we hoped it would be. And that's been especially true this season, despite swapping out so many players. I mean, three guys stayed on to start this season. So I think that hasn't been given enough value. That chemistry piece hasn't been given enough value. And that in order to build that, you have to have consistency season to season. And that has not been the Lakers plan moving forward here in the LeBron era. Yeah, but you know, you know, one of my things too that that always kind of worried me about even going into the season was, um, if if you look at all the reports, what everybody was saying mm -hmm. that we would we were a championship caliber team. It was just injuries that derailed us to be able to uh, not be able to win a championship mm -hmm. like last year. And then, but we literally kind of completely blew up the team that was considered to be a, right. a, a championship team. So my and then now it's not working. Like you said, they you know they're texting back and forth, and we know that you know LeBron kind of spearheaded the Carmelo coming over, the Westbrook kind of coming over, mm -hmm. and now it seems like the, the we're kind of blaming other people other than the guy that you know kind of spearheaded yeah. these these new moves from a team that was considered to be a championship team prior to, you know to this. Uh, this season and i don't do, let me ask you do you think lebron should take a little bit of criticism <laughs> for it 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, look, this is what we heard coming out of the the infamous meeting uh, when it was about a week after the All-Star break. You know, when LeBron made his whole, I, you know, I'm not closing the door on Cleveland. It was praising all these other GMs and all that. So Rich Paul, Jeannie Boss, Rob Palenka, right? They all sit down. And I think this was actually encouraging. What came out of that was this concept that it's not LeBron's fault. It's not Clutch's fault. It's not Jeannie's fault. It's not Rob's fault. It's all of our faults. It's everybody's fault. Everybody has played a role in this. And then LeBron is absolutely included in that. He he shoulders some of the blame for this as well. But again, it's not just LeBron. It's not just Rob. It's not just the front office as a whole or just Jeannie. It's, it, it's been a lot of things that have added up to create the problems that the Lakers have had this season. So yes, LeBron should absolutely, absolutely shoulder some of the blame here. Not the entirety of it. But some of it has to fall on LeBron, just like some of it falls on Jeannie and some on Rob and some some on Frank Vogel, some on everywhere you can look. There's plenty of blame to go around here. <laughs> that is for sure. Um, you know, the Profanity Nation podcast is the official podcast of the Los Angeles Lakers fan club on Clubhouse. They have over 11,000 members and they're actually listening live. Uh, what we'd like to do is just kind of chime in and see if anybody there, if you do, go ahead and tap your mics and uh, Money Mike will call out your name. If you guys have a question for Trevor, uh, just let us know and uh, you can take part in the show, of course. Um, yeah, go ahead and blink your mic. Go ahead and blink your mic if you're interested. Um, so again, as there's plenty of blame to go around that we understand, uh, that we all agree with, right? Um, we all look back to what could have been, what we thought was going to be, which was basically Buddy Heald. Um, are we at this point to believe that that was the cure-all, that that would have solved this problem? I mean, I know there's no way to say what if and so forth, but um, – it would have been a lot different. Um, are, are you in agreement? A lot of people feel that that outside shooter would have made a bigger difference. Uh, what do you think, Trevor? Yeah, but I don't even think it's about Buddy. People compare directly. Oh, is, is Buddy Heald making more of an impact than Russell Westbrook? It's not necessarily about that. It's about what else you can do with the cap space from paying Buddy Heald $22 million or so compared to $44 million for Russell Westbrook. It's about the other moves. It mean, means you're probably hanging on to Alex Caruso. Can you... Uh, you're probably still not comfortable using your, your full mid-level exception and triggering the hard cap, but you've got, you've got a little more flexibility if you do decide to go down that, that path. So I think it's not just Buddy Heald himself. It's what else you can do on the rest of the roster. And perhaps that means more you're just keeping those guys, like we were talking about just a minute ago, that were probably a championship quality team last season and had it had injuries derail it. You're making a small tweak to that roster by swapping out Kuzma and Trez and getting Buddy Heald, and then you can keep most of the other pieces intact. A small tweak to that roster sounds a lot better than a let's tear this whole thing down, only keep three players, bring in Russell Westbrook, and rebuild this whole thing from the ground up to me, the, the first option there of getting buddy healed and being able to maintain most of that roster makes more sense. Yeah. You know, um, to, to piggyback on that point, I also, I also think that, um, Westbrook's attitude, um, and the way he's carrying himself is I, I don't want to say that he's a cancer. That's a strong word. I love Westbrook. I think he's really good. Um, from LA. So I, I really like him, but his, his being to the point where it doesn't matter if he wins or lo lose is not something that I think us as Laker fans that have watched this team for 20, 30, 40 years or whatever, are not 
okay with. And and we understand you're doing great. We understand that you have a family. We understand that you're doing great in your community. We're not attacking Westbrook the man. We're looking at Westbrook the player. And Westbrook the player has to have some accountability to his game, to what he's bringing to the table. He has to understand there is a standard as being a Laker. Um, and if for somebody that's from L.A. and somebody that grew up a Laker fan, it almost feels like how is that lost upon him? How does he not understand that he has to do a little bit more to – we need to see him dive. We need – the crowd of El Staples Center has yet to, like, really applaud him for his work that he does on the court. And I thought that was going to be a nightly basis because he's from L.A. He's one of us. But the fact that he hasn't done that and the fact that he looks like he doesn't really care, I don't know how his future with the Lakers is going to be sustainable. I actually believe that they just by sheer way, they have to move him on. And yeah. I mean, this I mean, that's where I'm at with Westbrook. I like him, but he got to do a lot more other than that than he really has to get off this team. Uh, I don't know if he can bring it. I, I, I don't know if. Uh if he's capable of bringing it at this point. Well, let, let me just say, and I want to ask you, Trevor. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we, when I heard about uh, uh, Westbrook coming onto the team, I immediately thought it wasn't, a, it, it wasn't a great fit simply because we, I know he's a ball dominant player and we already had another ball dominant player. But that was the expectation ball, was to help uh, when LeBron well, sat. And, well, but that was, that's right. my thing. So I always said that, look, um, they both had to start because they both make over $40 million. But I felt like, okay, let, let him play for the first five minutes of the first quarter. Then let, and then let him come in at the start of the second quarter with the second unit while LeBron sat and have the Westbrook run the second unit. Because I thought felt like the only way that Westbrook could be effective is if he was ball dominant. And we knew that LeBron, if he's on the floor, he's going to be ball dominant. And it just wasn't, Going to going to mint. So um, I actually like. I know th- that they're actually talking about you know putting him on the bench because that mm-hmm. I think that makes him more effective. You know, if he's if he's not on the floor at the same time as as LeBron. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I so the the word that got out from from Woj was that the Lakers there was some discussion about them potentially um, bringing him off the bench. And, and Frank Vogel admitted to this when we had him in a, in a presser the other day said it was that a lot of things have been discussed, basically didn't deny that they had been, been talking about this. Um, but the word is that Frank Vogel pushed back and, and that Frank Vogel did not want to bring Russell Westbrook off the bench. And I actually agree with him in this. And it's for this reason. I think you're right that on paper, Russell Westbrook off the bench or running the second unit, that's a more workable scenario than Russell Westbrook with LeBron James. Because look, I mean, the the formula for success with LeBron, it's not rocket science. Surround him with guys who can play defense and shoot threes. Good things will happen. Russell Westbrook is neither of those things. He's not a good shooter, not a good uh, defender. So I, the idea of having him run the second unit, it's fine. But, but let's say you do bench him. You're going to create a whole new media firestorm. Russell Westbrook's not going to be happy because let's face it, to NBA players, there is still a certain stigma with being a player who comes off the bench, right? Manu Ginobili, Lamar Odom, there's been great players in the past who have been the sixth man coming off the bench, but that's not the norm. Most players want to start. They they feel like that changes their worth, particularly in, in the market. So Russell Westbrook is going to want to keep that starting job. 
you're going to create some some problems if you bench it, both from Russell Westbrook. It's going to be a media firestorm. There's going to be all kinds of questions asked about it. Why not just start him and then change your rotation up so that he does spend the majority of his minutes with the bench unit play by a rule of anytime LeBron is off the floor, Russell Westbrook is on. And then you can get the same result that you were going for. You're getting the same impact without having to go through all of the, the fire of, oh my gosh, the Lakers just bench Russell Westbrook and everything that would come with it. That would, that would be quite a circus. So in my opinion, I, I think Frank Vogel was right. I think you can still achieve that same thing without necessarily having him on the bench to start the game. Now, Trevor, that being said, um, we have to assume that, that Vogel rotations are going to be, you know, we're, you know what I'm saying? Like, if we're saying that we can manage his minutes by allowing him to play most of his minutes or majority of the minutes with the bench unit, then I don't see any evidence of Vogel's rotation, how he's going to be able to blend that. Like he's had the whole season to create some kind of, I don't know, cohesion with the, the, the team and trying to help them with maybe his rotation because the rotations to me, sometimes people are getting minutes that they shouldn't get minutes, and then people are getting not getting minutes that they're supposed to. I love Austin Reeves. I think he shouldn't be able to. I see. I don't think he should be off the court. I mean, he should play him as much as possible because everything he does is possible. I mean, it's positive. Excuse me. But when I see, you know, you look at the PR and you're looking at the plus minus, and it's like negative sixteen, negative eighteen. You're like, why are we still like trying to play this person in this situation? where we actually can put insert another player and is going to get more out of them. So I hear everything that we're, everyone's saying about Vogel. I just need to see more from him as a coach, and especially in his rotations. And if it's not that way, then I can't subscribe to the fact that just putting him on the bench, he's going to make everything else work. I just don't see that. Actually, I, I agree. I agree with that. And um, <clears throat> what we'd like to do, we have somebody from Clubhouse who would like to chime in really quick. Let's go ahead and have him. Who is it, Mike? Yeah, we have Dre. Dre, do you have a comment? Hey. So you blinking your mic. <laughs> oh, I was clapping. Um, but uh, if you want me to chime in. Please do. Um, well, definitely I will. Um, uh, the whole Russell Westbrook thing, um, I'm going to be very candid and very honest. Um, Russell's a loser. Um, and what I mean by that is um, he's not a winning piece, right? I'm not, I'm not slighting him. He, he doesn't understand how to win. He's a top 75 point guard who makes above $40 million a year. And we can't get that basic basketball one-on-one from him. What I mean by that is um, know that every night is not your night to score. Sometimes you need to facilitate Sometimes you need to just rebound and stay in front of your man. Some nights you're supposed to score. Some nights you have to actually know how to pass your man open. He doesn't get any of that. And and in order for you to be next to um, LeBron, I, I slightly disagree with Money Mike when he said that um, he's, uh, you know, high usage. Um, it's not a problem that you're a high usage because we saw that with Kyrie and LeBron, right? But you have to be able to do certain things if you have that high usage. And that's the problem with Russ. He can't do anything. He can't shoot. He can't create. He can't make a layup. He's not smart passing. Like, he doesn't do anything well. I think he's overachieved for his career. Um, he was never a great basketball player. 
He was always a great wow. stats guy individually on losing ass teams. Excuse my French. However, when you get in a winning franchise, it's heightened that you're not a winning factor. Like you need to be on a a losing franchise like OKC where you were, Houston, wherever you want to go, Detroit, and and play your lights out. You know, score fifty if you want to over there and lose by twenty. Who cares? However. You're not the smartest point guard that can actually complement LeBron. Now, in in relation to um, who we're starting and so forth like that, I feel like our our coaching staff was um, completely disassembled as soon as Jason Kidd left. Um, Vogel's not um, a head coach material. We were very fortunate that we had great chemistry a couple years ago. We had all the needed pieces and the IQ next to LeBron to make that thing go. Um, those players were more in tune with listening to Jason Kidd. Um, if you go back and check the film, every player would go to Jason Kidd. Vogel was the absentee father on the side that nobody addressed. Um, also, um, I, you know, I'm going to keep it candid. Don't play me. Come on. Y'all already know. So, um, also, you already know. Keep up with going to you, Trevor, as soon as she Vocals, vocals, rotations are trash. You played um, grade D level LeBron, three of them at the same time. So you played Avery Bradley, THT, and Russell Westbrook at the same time on the floor. All of them are C minus D plus LeBron on the floor at the same time. None of them are smart. Some of them could shoot. It's like all over the place. Therefore, Vogel, you need to go. Thankfully, we saw Phil Jackson make a, a, a entrance in the Uh-oh. building yesterday. I don't know if Uh-oh. anybody can that, okay, right? So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna end here. So I know that Phil Jackson wouldn't come in and 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 take the reins on this this this, this team because it's atrocious. There's no way we're gonna win, and we know that Phil Jackson doesn't take projects. He likes to know that this team is worth a championship ring, and he'll he'll put his work in. You know, to a highly skilled team that has a window of opportunity. So I don't see any adjustments this year as a wash. Um, I think that Russell, I appreciate you being from LA. I'm a LA girl born and raised. Yep. As for you as a person, you're a phenomenal community guy. Mm-hmm. I, I will never take that away from you. As a basketball player, you have overachieved. Um, you have ridden the horse of athleticism your whole career. It is now gone. And you have you do not add to your game any off season, so you will forever and always will be in the lost column. You will never win. And I rest my mic. All right. I miss you. It was a lot. Uh, we love Andrea. She's oh part of God. our show. And you, you see why she's very detailed. In, in she knows her she stuff, thinks. man. Don't but, mess with the girl, but, dude. But Trevor, feel free to touch on anything that she said there. I mean, obviously, there was there was a lot. There, there was a lot. Brought the, brought the, brought the heat with, with all of that. Um, of course, I, I'm i never one that's going to call a player a loser if a guy's in, in the NBA. I mean, the ridiculous amount of talent that it takes just to get into yeah. the NBA. I right. mean, that's that's absolutely incredible. The guy's a former MVP and all that, all that kind of stuff. You can say, okay, he doesn't play winning basketball. Um, I mean, we look, we could, we could certainly make that argument. But Russell Westbrook, the idea when they brought him in was to try to fix some of the problems that they had the previous season with LeBron James. Whenever he goes off the floor, things fall to pieces. That hasn't quite worked out this season. And so that's where maybe the Russ coming off the bench thing and, and getting into Vogel's rotations 
it falls apart a little bit because we have seen it. It's been kind of hit or miss. It's not like Russ with the bench and suddenly Russ is great. That hasn't necessarily been the case. On paper, it makes sense. And maybe over the long haul, if you do that, it might work out. Um, but again, we haven't seen a lot of evidence of that so far. To talk about Vogel's rotations, they haven't been great for certain stretches. Although part of me, you look, Vogel has some of the blame here. There's no question. There have been moments where the rotations haven't made sense. There have been moments where he's put put out lineups and he went, oh my gosh, what, what is this? <laughs> but I think we also have to remember that he's been missing huge chunks of his roster for the majority of the season. And then he's had a number of guys who just, just haven't been able to do much. Like these guys that they thought they were going to rely on to, to be steady pieces here largely haven't been able to do that. You talk about like Wayne Ellington and Trevor Reza, some of the veterans that they've brought in, they haven't really been able to rely on the way that they hoped they would. So Bogle's been in, in a mode where he's just throwing things together, trying to try to find something that will stick. And again, I'm not saying he's blameless here, but in a way I kind of sympathize with him too, because this, this is not, this is not an ideal Frank Bogle team to begin with. And then the amount of players that have been out of action for him to try to get any kind of consistency has been all but impossible. So I understand the frustration. I understand taking shots at, at all of these guys and everything. But I think that uh, that we also have to remember how rough it's been in terms of the availability of players this season. Um, so, like, in, in, in Trevor, that mean, it's a great point um, that you made, because especially um, the fact that, you know, um, when it comes to Vogel, um, I look at other coaches and kind of like compare what would they do with the limits that they've got, they've been given. And mm -hmm. I know there's a team across the hall that is missing their star yeah. player for the whole season and they're staying afloat. They may not float is a strong word. I mean, say that, but yeah, they're Paul George, but, but, but at the same time, that's also coaching. That's like, they're mm -hmm. working it out. They got the limits. They don't have Kawhi. And we're and if we're if our excuse for Vogel is that he doesn't have AD, it doesn't really hold that much water because I'm looking at other teams that have had injuries and they have worked it out. They might not winning all the games, but if you're saying that if you're staying 500 because your guy that you're a six, you know, you're a 750 team or a 650, whatever the percentages are, if you're like you know a 50 win team with your guy, but you're hovering on four on 500 without your guy, that's got to be a testament to the coach and what they're doing. So I'm just saying, like, yes, we have the Westbrook issue. We also have AD out. But when are we going to be able to find the right five, put them on? We have a long, we have a large sample size at this point. So why have we found the right five to start games and rotate and get some kind of chemistry. We don't even know we want to play big men. We don't want to we want to play LeBron at the five. Mm -hmm. We don't have any kind of cohesion at this point in the season. And so I don't want to dump like there's like you said, this the, we could play the blame game, right? Obviously, I have my people that I want to blame. Mike has his, Jeff has his, probably you two also, Trevor, have people that you feel that are probably the real reason why we are not moving forward. But as far as I'm concerned, my man has to show me. And, and then also, when we're talking about, like, we're also talking about, like, like, if Vogel is a defensive coach, why aren't we putting the players that he needs for his system to work? To work. 
Why are we giving offense, him giving offensive players, and he know damn well he don't know what to do with the offensive <laughs> players because he's a defensive coach. So, and it goes back to what Andrea was saying. Jason Kidd was the offensive guy. You know so what, we though, see what's going on. This, this Trevor, uh, this goes back to last season. This goes back to Trez from my memory when why wasn't Trez getting minutes? Why wasn't Trez getting minutes? He was mm-hmm. sitting there. Now, we don't know the personal story. Um, but rotations and why players weren't getting played and and how come players were disappearing for, you know, games at a time and then come back and play. It, like you said, there was no cohesiveness. There was no system, it seemed like, and it just doesn't seem like he's been able to find one. Why is he – almost almost any other team, even without these superstars, his job is in jeopardy. How is it that he's still here with this record at this point and they're using injuries as an excuse? I don't get it. I mean, the the short answer is Jason Kidd is in Dallas, right? And I mean, I mean, it, if, if Jason Kidd was still an assistant coach for the Lakers, he would be the head coach right now. I, I, I firmly believe that, that Frank Vogel would have, been, would have been gone and Jason Kidd would have taken the reins. This is what we were all predicting Two seasons ago, that okay, everybody's watching the clock. How long till Jason Kidd takes over? Right. They didn't have somebody to to hand the reins off to, right? And and the thought was, okay, do we go bring somebody in an external hire, knowing that we're gonna do want to do a wider search in the summer? Probably not. Do we want to just hand it over to David Fisdale? Well, we already saw what that looks like when Frank Vogel was in health and safety protocols. (laughs) That didn't go well. So what do you do, right? So they just said, look, we're probably not going to fix this as well. I think there have been been so many problems that they just looked at it and said, do we solve problems by just getting rid of Frank Vogel enough to where it matters? Probably not. And so they're just writing it out through the rest of the season. But again, if, if Jason Kidd was here, then it would be, here you go, Jay Kidd. This is your team now. Let's go. And that's what would be happening right now with, with Frank. Whose Bogle. responsibility so, is it, guys? Everybody here, anyone can answer. Whose responsibility is to get these guys ready, get these guys motivated, and make sure that they're ready to play each game? To me, that's the coach. Now, I know the players are responsible to get themselves there, but as far as motivating, being on the same uh, pass, being on the, the same, focusing on the same mm-hmm. goal, that comes from coaching. That comes from uh, chemistry that the coaching staff develops. And it, it's just not there. There's nothing. It's just a void. Well, look, let me let me ask you this. Shouldn't it be from the, I mean, also, I'm going to say also, the quote-unquote leader of the team? You know, the, the, you know, the guy that has, you know, what, he's got 19 years in the league, he's 37, and he's mm-hmm. most amazing Every, well, everybody else is saying he's amazing. I probably wouldn't say that, but um, <laughs> you know, but shouldn't shouldn't the leader of the team also you know take part in that to be able to rally the players together to kind of be where they need to be, get them the energy, and you know be the heartbeat of the team. Say no, we're not going to go out and lose by twenty points every night. Like you know, show some pride in your team. You know. Trevor, I mean, who, who is it, the coach or the leader of the team? <laughs> I mean, I think it's it's all it's, it's both. I mean, right, the the coach has got to. I think there's no question that look, Frank Vogel has dealt with a bunch of injuries this season. There's a lot of things that have happened, but it's also very fair to say he hasn't taken the situation and improved it. He hasn't gotten more out of these guys. Like again, you want to talk about the Clippers? They are. It's not like they're a great team, but they're better than the sum of their parts. 
And you can't say that about the Lakers. They're getting probably less than the sum of their parts when you look at the talent that they've got. So that's absolutely a factor. Is Frank Vogel motivating these guys? I, doesn't look like it. I mean, there's been a number of nights where we've questioned the effort. Heck, I had a show a week and a half ago where we said, did the Lakers just, just insult the game of basketball with the effort that they put out on the floor. I mean, it's, it's been bad through certain moments and some of that has to fall on LeBron as, as the leader. Some of it has to fall on Frank Vogel. We can also question how much is it that Jared Dudley's not there anymore? I mean, he was a guy who right. was helping off the floor. Rajon Rondo isn't there right. to be that kind of guiding factor as well. So I think they're all, all of those answers. They all have some measure of validity. Ultimately, I think it rolls up under the job of the head coach to make sure that the players are all, are all ready to go. And that is certainly a mark against Frank Vogel when we're looking at, at this season. Exactly. Now, uh, rumors are you're hearing everybody whenever, you know, uh, teams not winning, uh, you start to hear the trades and they should do this. Mm -hmm. They should do that. But they're talking trade. about trading AD and uh, Westbrook. There's a lot of rumors. You need to get rid of both of them. Uh, AD has just been unable to stay healthy week after week. We have Marco on the show. And week after week, we're asking when AD will get back. He's back for a couple of weeks, and then he's gone again. It just happens. It's not his fault. He's not doing anything wrong. It's just happening. A lot of them are just bad luck, roll of an ankle, this and that. Money Mike might have a question about that or, or, or uh, doubt that a little bit. But um, it, it, I, I kind of feel like it might be time. It might just be time to go ahead and, uh, to be honest with you, kind of – maybe even get rid of uh, LeBron. Now you mentioned you met now, now you mentioned that the Lakers take care of their stars. Mm -hmm. You're right. LeBron is not the Lakers star. He did win a title, but let's step aside from the Lakers being the retirement center for all the NBA stars. Cause they know they can get their big payday as they're going out the door through the Lakers. Um, the one thing that scared me when LeBron was discussing or they were talking about him even getting here was we had just gone through the retirement and the whole thing with Kobe and accepting that that he was, you know, his skills were diminishing slowly but surely. I didn't want to watch that and go through that with LeBron. I'd rather watch our stars grow. Um, it, it, are we just paying? I mean, is AD our star? Are we supposed to stay loyal? I mean, yes, they won a title, but – where is loyalty? Like you said, players run this league. I mean, do we take care of them? Are they the stars? Kobe was here his entire career. Absolutely. Magic, those other players. Yeah. I, I well, think that I think that really we're looking at, at two different things. Like if we're talking about trading Russell Westbrook, that's very different than trading Anthony Davis just from a relationship perspective. I'm not even talking about value or any of that kind of stuff. Russell Westbrook is not with clutch sports. Right. So you can Never. you can trade Russell. Well, you can go around the NBA. You can go you can go to the I don't know who the, the Orlando Magic and you can say, hey, what do, you, what do you think? You know, are you can we work something out here or whatever? And then you can go to Russ and say, hey, Russ, we shipped you off to Orlando. Here's the details. You know, see you later. You do the, the money ball with Carlos Pena or whatever with Russ. You can do that with Anthony Davis. I think it's going to take and LeBron. It's going to take either one of those guys going to the Lakers and saying, hey, this isn't working. Let's 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 find a new a new home here. Um, it would take a cooperative effort because we've heard from day one about this relationship between them. In fact, the word that's been used has been partnership between LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Clutch Sports, the Lakers. It's not a typical player organization relationship. 
And so, I, again, I, I believe it would take the players themselves, AD or LeBron, going to the Lakers and saying, we're ready to move on for them to actually pull the trigger on a trade. It would take them them being on board with it as opposed to a typical situation with a, with a player and team. Yeah, and I and I uh, and just to go back on what you're saying, Trev. Like I really believe that there's no way that the Lakers can be seen as the premier franchise and then trade any of those superstars. I just don't see how we can maintain that because that's what we have now, right? We have our prestige because we're not winning games, so we have our prestige only at this point our reputation so we're being held hostage we, we, but we at the same time we've been held, held what, hostage but at the same time what do you want you see what i'm saying like if you're not going to stay true to that then you gotta actually want that everything else has to be tip top your front office can't be in disarray which we know is not okay we're not we're not we're not tip top when it comes to our our organization being ran as mm-hmm. a straight a true blue like team that you're looking at, like, damn, that team is running well. So what else do we have? We like, have only the prestige. We only have our reputation at this point. And the only reason why we're at, if you want to be honest, the only reason why we're back to being relevant is because LeBron decided he wanted to come course. over here and play here because we were definitely losing games before he was going there. And we were looking at the kids and we were saying, okay, I hope they go ahead and win 50 games. Yay. But it didn't work. Right. So what I'm saying is we have to go ahead and really just take Take a step back and look at the situation. We're not at a position where we can just give away stars mm-hmm. and be like, well, hey, you're not doing – what have you done for me lately? The Lakers are not in that position. And I really want us to recalibrate our expectations when we're talking about the Lakers franchise and what we were and what we are. That's what I'm saying. But you know what? Isn't there something to say, though? I mean, that Jimmy Buss left in the middle of the third quarter because we was getting blown out. <laughs> like, isn't there something, yeah, isn't, isn't something to that's, say? That's like, nothing new. That was right. that, that got that got publicized, but that's a, a common occurrence. That that wasn't that was nothing. <laughs> she she does. I, I I'm a I'm a season ticket holder, uh, and I sit in one fifteen so I can see her seats right from where I'm at. And she does leave quite often at that time. So uh, they're going to read into it again. If the Lakers are winning, it's nothing. If the Lakers are losing, they're going to read into it. Um, Jeannie's not making the decisions for this team, at least Obviously. as far as you know, player and personnel. Um, why isn't? How is it that the front office is? I don't feel the front office should be asking for for players to be coming off the bench. That is the coach's role. You let the coach coach. Um, that's why you put them in there. If you're actually giving your coach suggestions, then you've already superseded him. You've already cut off his legs. He's already a lame duck coach. So maybe that's what we're accepting at this point, I guess. Um, it's It appears obvious that the players are treating him as such they've lost the respect and, and what I don't like about it, look, a championship is a championship, but everyone who wanted to say, well, the bubble championship, this and that, um, and maybe with the asterisks or whatever, you know, some players will say it was harder. Some players will say it different, whatever. Um, we certainly weren't able to follow anything up with anybody that we have. In fact, it's only gotten worse from year to year since then. Um, and now, honestly, I think with the move of Westbrook and where that pigeonholed us, next season is in doubt as far as how we're going to fill it out, how we're going to fill out this roster. And the team is less likely to attract a 
free agent veteran uh, on a veteran minimum at this point. Far less likely they're not attractive anymore. They're, in fact, nobody wants to ride the LeBron retirement train as far as I see it. I don't know. Again, I, what I was worried about. Yeah, I mean, that's that's they did a lot of damage this offseason. They did a lot of damage th this past offseason. Um, and that's a lot of the coming this coming summer. It's going to be about repairing that damage if they can. And I mean, this is and this is a point of contention here among the fans. You know, is this the right move or not? But it's probably going to require in order to undo even part of the damage that they did with the moves they made this last offseason, it's probably going to require parting with future picks. And you're talking about the few you've got left. The only ones that, that you have that are movable now are 20, uh, 2027 and 2029, which gets pretty dangerous trading picks that far out. But essentially the Lakers, they've got two paths. You either go all in and you stay on board this, this LeBron train. And that means future picks, whatever it is, gone i mean we saw what he said what he said about the rams and and their their attitude towards picks and all that kind of stuff so do you want to trade everything that's not nailed down in the quest to win right now and that's that's going to be your goal this summer and then you get lebron ideally to sign an extension come august after he sees what you do in july or do you go the other way and you say look lebron ad it's not working let's find a new home let's work together and find something here and then you try to rebuild with the caveat that you don't have a lot of your future picks, you're missing some of those from the Anthony Davis trade. So I think you're at a fork in the road and you kind of have to pick which direction. My sense is they're going to pick the let's stay with LeBron direction and trade away what they have to. But uh, it's not an ideal scenario. It's certainly not looking as good as it was last offseason, uh, for sure. That's for sure. That's for sure. Well, uh, Jokic had 46, 11 and 12 tonight, 30 mm -hmm. in the fourth quarter. Players are balling. LeBron ball. Hey, yeah. But so unfortunately, hey, he was the only player on the on the right, team. So, he brought us a win, but my uh, uh, young Jokic is younger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we're going dream, this is dream for Luca. Yeah, I mean, we going dream. Okay, okay, you know, let's just dream. Okay, okay. We'll keep, <laughs> we'll keep dreaming there, guys. Um, I, okay. I'm just throwing out a couple options of possible, you know, uh, trades that I know other teams are not going to go for. <laughs> yeah, damn sure ain't gonna trade Jokers to the Lakers. Uh, no, that's damn not happening. Show. We can't get everybody. We can't get everybody. But, but let me ask you: Would you would you do that? Would you do that trade? What's the trade? Trevor's trade. Ron for Jokic. Come on, dog. Oh, I mean, from a from a basketball perspective, yes, you're getting a younger player who's still an MVP. I think you can question: Do the Lakers, from a financial perspective, mm -hmm. do? I mean, LeBron, the revenue LeBron brings in is ridiculous I mean, so that's 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 a factor too that maybe we don't talk about enough but but from a basketball perspective yeah you you definitely do that then you get the younger player and off you go it's it. you know and that's what i kind of hate like because business and it is business but the thing about it though like this is why i want like like laker fans to understand is that like we've always been the business side of basketball. Like we've always done that. We've always, like we said earlier, we take care of our stars because we understand what the stars need. We can't all of a sudden be some kind of like, you know, you know, Rand, like we're all about the basketball because we know that we sell other things other than basketball. We sell when guys LA. sign with the Lakers, we don't just sell the X's and O's. We sell about business opportunities. I mean, think about LeBron with him just being here. All of a sudden, he had the shop. 
He started producing movies. Like, this is what he's done outside of basketball only because he's with the Lakers. The so Sparks are now following suit with Liz Cambage. Yeah, so you so know what it is. Similar. We know what it is. So when you come here, but see, with that, with that said, these superstars need to understand that these opportunities are given because you're good. When you're Westbrook and you're seeing all this, don't be satisfied. Nah. Don't, don't be, be satisfied. Don't be complacent. You know what? You're with the hungry. Lakers. Be hungry. Yep. You haven't got a ring, And Westbrook bro. knows what L.A.'s about. So um, he, he knows darn well what the expectations are. He was raised here. Uh, Trevor, uh, every show we end with a segment that we call Money Mike's Out of Bounds. Money Mike is going to share his <laughs> thoughts uh, or opinion on a topic. And we are going to go ahead and let him do that. And we're going to tell him whether or not his thoughts or opinions are inbounds or out of bounds. Money you know, Mike, you know you've what? got the mic. I know y'all not going to agree with me on this, but I just want to kind of vent a little bit. Go for it. So we, we've been watching LeBron like all season, you know, when he's been playing. I personally am not a, and, and you know, Trevor, you know, I'm not really a LeBron fan. Uh, one you reason why I'm not a LeBron fan is because I feel like, I never feel like he's going, even though he scores and gets great, a whole lot of points and things like that, I never feel like him really, on a continual basis, taking over game, right? And so, uh, you know, he could get 36 points and everything. I'm not, I'm not going to say he's batting stats like that. He just – I just never feel like, oh, I got LeBron on the court. We're down We're by good. one. It's eight seconds left. I'm going to run. I'm I'm going to try to get fouled and get an and one versus the three, 30, you know, three-point, 30-footer, you know, when we only <laughs> need two. So, you know, I, I feel like his last-minute decisions and stuff – um, don't, oh, no. you know, don't happen. Now, I was telling them off air that, you know, uh, for, you know, out of bounds in here. Somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. I'm, 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 <laughs> Trevor, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to give you, I'm trying to, let's get to it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to plead my case. Come out of bounds. All right. All right. So, yeah. You see, so, you build it up, dude. Plead my case. So <laughs> what I've noticed about LeBron though, you know, when we lose him and he's scoring 30 some points and we still lose about 20, he is the first one, you know, in that tunnel. On the way out. But then what I've noticed, too, is when Aaron Donald comes, all of a sudden he takes over the game and he wins. Or Stafford. Uh, or Stafford, for example, he got with 50 cents and turned to Stafford. I had to put on the show for you tonight, and he takes over the game. So I feel like if there's not a Super Bowl champion or a World Series champion in there, then he has no interest in in taking over the game. So I just made a bet with, with, with uh, Fredo Cervantes uh, uh, you may know me, but he's another commentator. And my bet I made with him that uh, if we do not have some Super Bowl champions in in, in or some World Series champions or some soccer champions, and I made a bet saying that we are going to be in a tenth seed, and and because LeBron's not going to take over the game, and it's going and it's going to have us not making the playoffs. Am I out of bounds for saying that the only way that we're going to be able to make the playoffs <laughs> is if there's a Super Bowl champion in the house? Every game. Every game. <laughs> I think that's the only time he takes it over. Am I out of bounds for saying that that's what we need for, for LeBron to take over a game? Okay, so I, officially I'm going to go out of bounds, but but you guys need to figure out whatever this bet is because I just talked to Fredo not that long ago or yeah. this evening, and he said, he said, so you guys got to talk. He said the bet is whether or not they make the plan. And if you're right. saying that it's just they're going to fall to the 10 seed, yes. that's still in the plan. That's a totally <laughs> different bet. Hey, no, I told him. I gave him the play-in. I bet him 100 bucks. Okay. 
that 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 we're not gonna make the play in because it's not enough Super Bowl stars okay. to come to the game <laughs> for him to put a show on. We need to cycle him through. Yeah. So yes, I, or just have Jeffrey Osborne sing the uh, national anthem every game. Because so am I the bounds to say that 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 the Lakers are not gonna pay off, uh, make the playoffs, the play in. They're not gonna make the play in unless we have Super Bowl champions in the house. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say out of bounds on that. But again, my my reasoning is not necessarily I've got that I've got all the faith in the world that the Lakers are going to be great from here on out. And we're going to be so excited that they surge into the playoffs. I, I think it's because you got to look at who's below them. The Pelicans, they're playing great, right? They they just lost to the, the Denver Nuggets. But overall, they've been playing fantastic. So maybe they catch them and the Lakers fall to 10. But to fall out of the play in, the Blazers would have to move up. And the Blazers have just lost four in a row. Organizationally, they're not trying to win. And the Lakers already have a three-game lead on them right now. So that's why I don't think the Lakers are falling out of the play-in, is that the West has been so forgiving. And the teams that would have to jump up, they're not really, from an organizational standpoint, trying to win basketball games at this moment. Okay, so you think I'm out of bounds? Yeah, I'm uh, gonna say, I'll, I'll, I'll say out of bounds on it. Yes. Uh, Okay, clubhouse, you guys, am I out of bounds and in, in bounds? I'll take the mic right now. Let me know if someone chimes in. Yeah, crispy. Uh, crispy, go ahead, crispy. Go, go ahead, crispy. Yeah, Mike, I'm about to call you on this one, man. You're completely out of bounds, man. Uh, I don't think enough, you know, superstars that have won championships at other sports are willing to come to our games right now. So, yeah, I don't see that happening, man. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like at being in ninth place, man, I think we're in a great spot still. At, despite the horrific season that we have had. But um, on this particular one, man, yeah, you out of bounds, Mike. Uh, right. All right. Step hat, definitely out of bounds. Out of bounds. Uh, yeah, so at least you're getting 100%. I mean, I mean definitely out of bounds. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're going to make the playoff. Um, and, I mean, we really haven't even paid attention to Portland and Trevor bringing that to light, saying how poorly they're playing. And they really – I mean, they lost McCollum, so you know damn well they need to get somebody else – to go ahead and pair with you know with uh with um Dame, so they're going to tank, and so it's kind of hard to and also the Pelicans are trying trying to make a surge, but I don't think they're going to have enough in the tank to catch the Lakers. Um, and then I'm I mean and my homer right now. I'm 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 assuming that they're going to finally. All right, all right, enough is enough. Let's win some games. But win. We hey, got two hey, games bro, left. Hey, like I said, I'm a homer. Is that to make sense? I'm I'm gonna tell you why. I'll be right back. Keep talking. So, anybody in the clubhouse have, uh, think I'm in inbounds? Mike, go ahead. You're not inbounds, man. You're out of bounds. Look, <laughs> 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 there was no Super Bowl champs in the bubble, and they made it to the playoffs, and they won the freaking championship. So, what are you talking about? <laughs> All right, Andrea, I see you blinking your mic. You my got man, my back. My man sure. got the Jeff Hamilton on. Go ahead, Andrea. Um, I would never have your back because you're a LeBron hater, obviously. I mean, uh, for 30 minutes, we've heard you skew uh, nothing but hate. Uh, um, the man had literally just scored 56 points and will to win. Um, yes, he does have a diva-like attitude when it comes to people being in the building, but I, I hate to tell you, go back and check our, our L's. There were a lot of champions in the building when we took L's. So I'm going to have to say you're, you're, you're out of bounds. Um, I think that we do have the opportunity to make a run. We're playing the Spurs, the Rockets, uh, and, and some, you know, below 500 teams that we can still get some wins under our belt. So we should be okay. But I, I don't think um, – I don't think we're going to fall, like, 
<laughs> below Portland. That's crazy. <laughs> okay, all right. I, I'm going to keep it at 100 and make sure. <sighs> and I'm going out of bounds because I'm going to sport my Jeff Hamilton championship jacket from 2020. And I'm going to go ahead and stick with it and say that the Lakers still have a chance, even though it's scary and it's not looking great that they have a fighter's chance, and if they can get into that play-in, they, they can do some magic, and, and they can make some waves. So you're just uh, 100% wrong. So I'm 100% wrong today. All right. All right. That's okay. <laughs> but you know what? We've had Trevor Lane on the show, and he's awesome. We had Marco Nunez on the show, and uh, this was a great episode, guys. Thank you so much. Trevor, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. This was awesome. We loved having you back on the show. We'll invite you back on again real soon. Can you do us a favor and let everybody know the best way to keep up to date with what you've got going on? Sure, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you guys for, for having me. This was a blast. Always a lot of fun to get to talk Lakers basketball with you. But uh, if anybody's looking to find my work, you can find me over on the LakersNation.com YouTube channel. I do most of my work there, the LakersNation.com podcast as well, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. LakersNation.com is where all of our written work goes. And if you want to find me on social media, you can find me at Trevor underscore Lane on Twitter, at Trevor Lane NBA on Instagram and Facebook. All right. Awesome. You're awesome. awesome. Nice. Thank you so much to everybody watching and or listening. Be sure to tune in next week. We'll be back every Sunday, 8.30 p.m. We're here. We're going to bring it to you live, and we'll bring it to you real. Thank you guys so much. We'll be back next week. Trevor, thanks again. We appreciate, appreciate it. Appreciate you, Trevor. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Rev. Profanity Nation. Yeah, it's the new era of man for some old school fans with a new school brand. We got money on the mic with the plan in hand. And step back to his left, they go hand in hand. And to the right, we got Simster. He putting it down. It's the Profanity Nation. We running the town. Yeah. It's the Profanity Nation. Profanity Nation.